2: this is The Hash Podcast. Stay
1: informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network.
2: Happy Friday and welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV and The Coindesk Podcast Network. I gotta say it, leave us a review there. Leave us five stars. Follow the Coindesk Podcast Network. It's not only us. There's all these other people saying really smart things, digging deep into the crypto news. I'm Jensen Sinassi. I'm here today with Will Foxley and Ben Schiller. Hello, guys.
0: Hello, hello, Howdy. how are you?
2: Uh, I am okay. What a crazy two days we've had. I'm surviving and cannot wait for the weekend. Will, uh, XRP is through the roof. I believe it's up almost 30% on the day. What's going on?
1: Yeah, it was a little boring the last two weeks, and all of a sudden we had a bunch of things just fall through the air, XRP being one of the biggest ones, right? Its market cap is up $40 billion since its lows. This is a pretty extreme price reaction to what was seen as bullish news out of a court hearing. More or less a split decision when you really look at the facts. looks like Ripple Labs Is going to be fined, or the court case is going to be continuing regarding sales of XRP to institutional clients. But the court case did vindicate the fact that these exchanges are able to make programmatic sales of XRP. A lot of shorts were destroyed yesterday, shorts and longs, of course, being two different ways to trade a crypto asset. And people who are betting that the price of the crypto asset will go down paid spectacularly yesterday with some of the largest liquidations that we have seen. Yet to date, XRP itself has also moved back into its fourth spot as the largest cryptocurrency by market cap, surpassing BNB or Binance's token. Ben, I'm gonna throw this one over to you. Obviously, price action normally follows some sort of court hearings within crypto. It's pretty common, but the last few days' reaction to this news has been spectacular, say the least.
0: Yeah, I think this shows the kind of latent uh, support for the XRP uh, project. You know, um, many other cryptos might have died a death in this period of regulatory or um, legal uncertainty. But the XRP army is one of the most passionate groups of uh, fan bases in crypto. And I think they've really helped to keep this project buoyant and kind of in the public eye. And it's kind of noticeable uh, here at CoinDesk when we kind of review, uh, you know, search numbers every day, uh, that XRP continued to be a heavily searched item, even though uh, you could arguably say that it wasn't producing much in terms of products. And and services, and it, it faced all this uh, regulatory uncertainty. So, uh, to get some clarity on that question, some clarity kind of allowed the the, the, uh, the kind of lid to come off of that, and for that kind of demand to be shown in the market.
2: The XRP army—they are a passionate bunch, aren't they? You'll learn very quickly not to confuse XRP and Ripple, and they will come for you. Make sure you get that right. They but I will. Th- <laughs> What I took away um, from the story was all these other tokens that really saw a slump after they were named in the Coinbase and Binance lawsuits. So we had Sol, ADA, Matic all also pumping on this news because I guess people think that we're going to get some kind of regulatory clarity when it comes to these token listings on centralized exchanges. And I know, Ben, you're going to, we're going to talk about this in your story, so I won't get too into it. But I, I still feel like there's, there's so much that we need to figure out here. And so, um, it's interesting, but I guess expected to see all of these other tokens have a little bit of a celebration here. I wonder if it's something that, um, that will sustain itself over the next days will
1: all these altcoins are responding to the news which is great for them right we've sort of had a vindication as of now from this court hearing that all these altcoins are able to be traded on different exchanges within the u.s basically their onshore infrastructure that has been built over the last few years all these different crypto exchanges and so for these tokens that have been like trading back and forth and some of them have been kind of hit in these lawsuits whether it be against coinbase or binance or kraken or others they've been listed uh, and they've been targeted by the SEC for being listed. And the SEC has been trying to basically drive their liquidity by going after them in these lawsuits. But the fact that the SEC here said, hey, we don't like the institutional sales, but uh, you can programmatically trade them on exchanges does mean that there might be some uh, clarity for them in the future. The last thing I want to note before we hand it over to Ben is, talking about how there might be some changes to this in the future. It looks like this is just like one person's opinion. We have some great information uh, from some crypto lawyers talking about how this was sort of a split decision that might not stay the same for long, as far as I understand it. Ben?
0: Yeah, that kind of uh, leads uh, neatly on to what I wanted to talk about, which is a piece that we ran yesterday, an opinion analysis piece by Preston Byrne. Uh, Preston Byrne is a prominent uh, crypto lawyer and CoinDesk columnist, and he wrote a piece that was titled uh, Ripple Labs Ruling Throws US Crypto Token Regulation into Disarray. And his take, following on from what Will said there, is that this was very much a split decision. And if you really look at the judgment um, on that key question of whether uh, tokens are securities, uh, and if you're expecting regulatory clarity from that, uh, I think you're going to be disappointed. Because um, on the one hand, it's saying that XRP is an unlawfully sold investment contract when it's sold to VCs or Institutional buyers, and uh, the court case uh, found 700 million dollars uh, of that. And, and on the other hand, it's something else when sold anonymously by cryptocurrency exchanges. And the kind of market action is all on that kind of second point on that question of uh, vindicating the idea that it can be sold on on cryptocurrency exchanges. But other types of sales were very much done down by this this ruling. So on the central question of whether XRP is a security or not, it's very. Contradictory, and Byrne also points out that um, the judge in the case, Annalisa Torres of the Southern District uh, of New York, you know, some of her statements actually contradicted some other judgments that the court has made on these very same matters. And he argues as well, was just saying that these rulings aren't really final in the sense of being law or being, you know, the the final statements on this, because they're likely to be heavily contested on appeal uh, and they could well be reversed. So the takeaway here is that you know, this might be good for prices in the crypto market in the short term. And we all love the XRP army and and the kind of passionate fan base that it has. But uh, maybe these buyers are kind of reading the headlines here rather than the the whole story. And, you know, the the real point here is that, you know, the kind of mixed message that's coming from this single case in a single court is no substitute for a deliberative lawmaking process in Congress. Uh, And ultimately, only Congress decide on these central uh, questions of securities. And, you know, regulators can't do it and judges can't do it. We really need politicians to do their damn job, really.
2: I am with Preston here, and I I guess I'm with you too, Ben. And Will, in some way, you, you, but you said that we have more clarity. I don't feel like we do. I feel like the argument that Preston outlines in this op-ed really just explains it so beautifully. You know, we see some exchanges saying they're going to Um, relist XRP. Then we look at the exchanges that delisted some of the tokens that were mentioned in the Coinbase and Binance suit, and we look at what the judge has said here. And it doesn't really make sense to me, right? Part of the Howey test is can you derive profit, or I don't, I don't have the exact language here, but can you expect profit from the actions of a third party? And I think that when we look at Ripple Labs and XRP, retail investors can, right? We look at what Ripple. Is doing. We look at the projects and the products that they are launching. Of course, um, at least publicly, they really try to distance themselves from XRP when they're talking about any of the projects and products that they're launching. But if we just look at how the market reacts, of course, it's it's on that news. And so I don't think it's as cut or dry. And I think that we're going to see a lot of back and forth, just as Preston outlines in the op-ed. Will, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's like as cut and dry. And that's why we have like this uh, dispute right now. What is a little bit more clear from this person's one opinion, this judge's here, is that the programmatic sale or the sale of cryptos on exchanges is essentially what that means is okay. And that's for the time being, right, there might be an appeal to that. There might be a different process. As this op-ed does lay out really well, the fact that you know, we have basically two different opinions now, you cannot sell uh, this cryptocurrency or security, whatever you want to call it, to institutions. You cannot just create it and sell it off. But you can airdrop it, or you can give it to insiders, or you can list it on an exchange and sell it under what they're seeing right now. So I would expect that to change. But I would not expect something else to change, though, and that is the fact that while well, these tokens are probably going to continue to sell on exchanges, because they might be seen as commodities, or we might have some actual uh, clarity from Congress in the near future. There's some bills already in the works that are getting some steam, especially with more court cases we're seeing, especially with the pressure on Gary Gensler and the SEC. So we might see some clarity on that in the near future. I want to read one quote from this piece from Stephen Palley, who's a colleague of the authors of this original piece, saying in a tweet, that order in the Ripple case is a partial summary judgment from a single district court judge. While persuasive, it's not binding precedent on other courts and will likely be appealed and could be reversed don't yellow into anything based on that decision. Going back to the price action, definitely a lot of yellowing going on, right? A lot of longs are going into this and that's part crypto for sure. There's a lot of gambling in crypto, so it's not unexpected. Uh, but for anyone out there who's taking a position and multiple tokens based on this court ruling, I would say maybe wait a little bit longer and find out more of the facts along with the rest of us. Jen?
2: Yeah, I think that the one thing that has been consistent amongst many of the people who are speaking about this is that, this is not precedent setting. Yes, it will be referenced in many of the other lawsuits that we're going to see play out, but it's not precedent setting. Anything can happen. Uh, and so we'll just have to wait and see We're like with so many, so many stories that we cover in this space. All right, we're going to leave it there. It's been a big couple of days for the crypto industry. Uh, and today we learned that former CEO of bankrupt crypto lender Celsius, Alex Mashinsky's bail has been set at $40 million after he was arrested yesterday on charges of fraud. He has pled not guilty to seven counts relating to misleading investors and manipulating the price of Celsius's sell token. The sell token, funny enough, is up more than 10% in the past 24 hours and I believe up more than 50% this month. Ben, um, what do you make of this $40 million bail or a bunch of terms and conditions? And despite all of that, sell seems to be pumping.
0: Yeah, I mean, I find that quite extraordinary, really. But uh, And I might have set the bail at $40 billion rather than $40 because I think Alex Machinski is shown by these findings uh, by the DOJ. Uh, it was really a uh, building a, a whole empire on a, on a house of cards here. And uh, he deserves to go to jail and have the book thrown at him as far as I'm concerned. You know, he represented him as, himself as a, a custodian of uh, these customers' uh, hard earned assets and then just used the assets as a slush fund for his own purposes. And that was uh, duplicitous and deeply troubling. And uh, the sell token is now going up and benefiting him in any way. I think that's uh, a, a bad outcome.
1: Yeah, the whole sell thing is really interesting. It reminds me, of course, of the FTX debacle with FTT token, which was used to basically power FTX. FTT was a native token of the FTX platform. It created a ERC-20 token. And by having some sort of price discovery along with it, it provide liquidity for a company that uh, didn't need a token and the token had absolutely no utility. I I believe it maybe gave you the ability to have some sort of discount on trading on FTX, but that was about it, right? And we've seen these exchanges do this in the past where they created their own native token uh, that have some sort of flywheel, if you will, of sorts that, gives it some implicit utility, they say, and that gives it some implicit value. And then, really, people just start bidding on it for gambling, and the company starts drawing from it, uh, using it as some sort of reserve or buffer. So in the case of FTX, they use FTT to take out loans, uh, huge loans, including purchasing different companies, or just handing over FTT to other companies in order to purchase them outright. We saw that with BlockFi, right? That was a huge headline there. Also saw them take out USDC loans, with FTT essentially just handing over a fake coin that traded like a gambling token in return for actual US dollars. Uh, And of course, if you're taking a loan, the value of that loan can change so much depending on the backing of that collateral. Here with the CEL token, it looks like they were doing a very similar thing, right? The CEL token for anyone taking a look at it. It looks like through price manipulation, uh, Celsius was able to keep itself alive for quite a while because they had essentially this backing of a token that, again, when so volatile, you can play against it to keep your company running. Looking at some of the documents that are already coming out, uh, there's internal notes saying that the company was deeply unprofitable, the business was unsustainable, that they were losing millions of dollars month over month, and it was continuing to collapse and fail. Yet, yet, how were they able to hold on? I think part of it is just the nature of grift. You're able to lie and say you're okay. But also, I think the sell token has a lot to do with it, where they're able to sell this token or manipulate the price of it in certain ways in order to keep the company afloat, maybe taking loans out on it. I'm interested to see this come forward, right? Right now, we just have these as allegations from the DOJ and various other government agencies, but in the future, I'm sure they're going to state out specifically how these tokens were traded internally and externally to be able to keep this billion-dollar scam afloat But for now, I guess we'll just have to watch from the sidelines. Jen?
2: Yeah, among those alleged allegations was using uh, new customer funds to satisfy older customer withdrawals, which is by definition a Ponzi scheme, alleged Ponzi scheme. So, yeah, I am also looking forward to see what what comes out. This was a coordinated action uh, by the DOJ, the FTC, and the SEC. So, um, multiple different agencies there. In my intro, I spoke about the terms of the bail. Uh, I'll let you know what they are. So he's going to be restricted from traveling. He can't open up a new bank account or a crypto account. His wife is going to sign the bond, and then the other co-signee has not been identified by court documents. The bond is also going to be secured by a financial claim on his New York home and bank account. So, I don't know. It feels very SBF esque you know? Every every couple of months, I feel like I'm having yes. deja vu when we talk about these stories. You said you got any last thoughts for us here
0: i uh, yeah, i was agreeing with 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 you on that uh, i think uh, as you were reading out that uh, rap sheet i mean it's uh it's very similar especially on on the question of um commingling of of funds and uh you know taking in money for one purpose and using it for another is is very s b f like
2: well at least at least people are being brought to justice here so hopefully hopefully we can we can get some funds back to to the people who were affected the most and we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out. But let's turn to a little bit of a more upbeat story to go into the weekend. I know this is probably Will's favorite story that we're speaking about today. Auction House Christie's is teaming up with luxury fashion brand Gucci to release a digital art NFT collection called Future Frequencies Explorations in Generative Art and Fashion. The 21 NFTs are going to be created by AI artist, Claire Silver, Generative artist, Emily G, and decentralized autonomous artist, Boto, among others, in a hope to expand creativity through the intersection of art, fashion, and technology. This story is interesting to me because two years ago, which feels like a lifetime ago, people sold his $69 million piece also at Christie's. Since then, the industry has taken so many different turns, but we still have Christie's, this auction house that's almost 300 years old, partnering with these very traditional high-end luxury brands that maybe are not at the forefront when we talk about technological innovation, still operating in the space. And I think that that is a good sign for us all. Will, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't know about the the Christie's thing these days. I feel like I see it so often now that like maybe it is really important that they're there, but another part of me just thinks that they're an auction house, right? So like they want to get a split of whatever is up for sale and Someone with the name like Gucci or Beeple is going to command a high sale price. So why wouldn't Christie's jump in on this and get a cut at that, especially if it's going to be a higher value item that's selling? Uh, it just sort of seems to make sense as an auction house and as a business that you'd be in on this. Um, so I always sort of throw that aside. And maybe that's an incorrect take, but that's how I view it. Now, the Gucci thing, I guess, is, is interesting. We've seen them do some other things in Web3. I'm sure, Jen, that you know the rap sheet for that a little bit more than I do. The AI generative stuff, definitely in the news, definitely clicky right now. So that's also interesting. Uh, the fact that this continues to have, like, I guess, would be like the larger takeaway for me, that there's still people who are creating this. I guess you just you can't kill art.
0: Yeah, I think it's good. I was interested by, included in the cell was a guy or person or an entity called Botto uh, who calls himself or herself a decentralized autonomous artists. Uh, I was quite unclear about what that is. It's obviously, an echo of uh, decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs. And it turns out he's an artist who uh, takes in feedback from people that are looking at his art and then changes that art based upon that feedback. It's kind of an interesting idea. But I, but again, I think the most interesting part of this NFT trend or phenomenon is the ability for you know lesser known artists to uh, get a seat at the table. And this isn't really about that, is it? It's about you know well known people. You know, using a uh, sort of very establishment brand like like Christie's to to sell their art, so uh, it doesn't seem like it's really in keeping with that kind of democratization of art. What we really like about NFTs, the idea that the Web three economy can bring in new people and make the whole art market or creative economy more uh, fair.
2: Ben, I'm with you with that. You know, so often we say like, are we just recreating the same problems we're trying to solve within the crypto space? And maybe we should make a commitment on this show to cover more more of the up and coming artists who are using NFTs to make money, to get their art out into the world and maybe do maybe not a little less because it's still, I think it goes hand in hand, right? We need to talk about the NFTs. We need to talk about the big projects that are happening to make them more relevant, to show their popularity so that the people who are maybe up and coming artists who are launching these things, then have an audience who wants to buy them. I think it just kind of, there's a little bit of a push and pull, a balance that's needed here.
1: Definitely. But and then I don't know, <laughs> hey, I had a little, few thoughts, a few Tell thoughts, actually, I don't have. To, I don't have too much. I mean, it would be great to cover more artists doing this stuff. But I think with crypto, like you only really care about something until the price goes up. So it's really hard to find these people. That's the but thing. if you're an artist, give us a DM, give Jen a DM. She'll respond and then I'll try and to then talk to And then you can come on the on show.
2: show yeah, we're just making yeah. up the rules as we go. DM me and you can come on the show. But you have to have a really cool project that's the only requirement. All right. We're going to leave it there. <laughs> Thank you for watching the hash today. It's been a hell of a week. I'm Jensen Sinassi. Thank you to Ben Schiller and Will Foxley. We will be back on Tuesday. We will not be here on Monday. We are going to the whole of point desk TV. We are celebrating the 4th of July late. So you won't see us here on Monday. We'll be taking a break, but we'll be back on Tuesday to let you know the latest and greatest in the crypto news. Have a great weekend.
1: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at com, subject line The Hash or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player.
2: Thanks for listening.